Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, July 13th, 2021. When I was a freshman in high school, a transfer student joined our soccer team. He was a freshman as well. When he got to the first team meeting, it was clear that he felt comfortable fitting in with the upperclassmen. It was obvious that he saw himself as a varsity player and not someone who'd play on the freshman team. He carried himself with confidence that was initially off-putting to the rest of us freshmen. We started to grumble about this new kid saying, who does he think he is? Then we got to our first practice. And let's just say that who he thought he was was who he actually was. He was not only going to be a starting forward for the varsity team, but he was instantly one of our best players. We mistook his confidence for arrogance. And once it was revealed who he really was, we viewed him differently. Now today in Luke 5, 33-39, we're going to see another example of Jesus' confidence on display in front of the Pharisees. And this is yet another example of the Pharisees saying, who does he think he is? In verse 33, the Pharisees say the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. If you notice, they ask him similar questions in the previous two stories here. First, when he healed the paralytic, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when he ate with Matthew Levi and his guests, it says, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The tension is ramping up with the Pharisees as they keep asking this question, who does he think he is? And as we'll see, this will continue with two more stories, this time about the Sabbath in chapter six. And then in this passage, Jesus continues talking about a patch on clothing and new wineskins. He's making the point here that there's a new era being born through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And this new era or covenant will force these Pharisees to repent and put their trust in Christ, something that they're clearly not interested in. So who does Jesus think that he is? Well, if you've been studying along with Pastor Ben through the book of John at Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, then you have seen time and time again that Jesus does in fact claim to be God. He is the long-awaited Messiah written about in the Law and Prophets. But the most important question is, who do you think he is? The answer to that question will guide your entire life, your eternity. If Jesus is indeed the Christ, then we must first repent and put our trust in him. We must repent of our sins and put our complete life in his hands to lead it, giving up control of our life completely. He is the only one who can ultimately pay for our sins. And if we've done that, if we are a child of God, then we must commit to doing what he says in his word. Now, jumping to our Old Testament passage in 1 Chronicles 11 through 13, maybe you've read the story of Uzzah before, or maybe today is the first time, and maybe that's left you thinking, who does God think that he is? Uh, Maybe you're just confused about why this story is happening, and it doesn't make sense to you why he ultimately kills Uzzah. But let's work our way up to that story. Our passage starts today as Saul has died, and now David is to be anointed king. He takes Jerusalem. Joab becomes chief and commander. And verse 9 says this, And David became greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. Things are looking good. And we learn about David's mighty men in chapters 11 and 12. And there's this one story in the middle of kind of a straightforward description that's worth mentioning. Three of his mighty men go to get David water, and he doesn't drink it. 
First, it appears as if this isn't a command, and he probably didn't think anyone would go get it. Maybe David was just mentioning he was thirsty. He didn't think these guys would go risk their lives to do it. And second, he pours it out because he equates the water with the blood these men risked to get it. And he wants to show the value of their life. And third, he pours it out as a drink offering to the Lord. David doesn't see himself worthy of the water, so instead he worships the Lord. But now we get to chapter 13 and it starts out with David's request to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. David is concerned about the glory of God and taking the ark seriously. Uh, is that really what happens? Because we kind of take a sloppy turn here. Uh, they put the ark on a cart like the Philistines did instead of carrying it by poles with Levites at the helm as commanded in Exodus 25. And in verse nine, we read this. And when they came to the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put out his hand to take hold of the ark for the oxen stumbled and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark and he died there before God. Now I want to read for you Numbers 4.15 to give some context. It says this, and when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after that, the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these, but they must not touch the holy things lest they die. God's holiness must be in focus as we read this account of Uzzah's death. Not only did God warn them that they would die, not only did God tell them to carry the ark in a different way than they did, but God is so holy that, as one writer puts it, that the hand of Uzzah was more unclean than the dirty threshing floor that the ark would have touched. I mean, we will spend an eternity praising God for his holiness, but we must remember that the very thing we'll spend an eternity praising him for puts him in direct opposition to the sin that is so prevalent in this world. Perhaps reading today's uh, passage in 1 Chronicles is a reminder for us to grow a higher view of God. When we ask, who does he think he is? We must answer that question biblically. And when we do, our response should be that of Isaiah's, woe is me for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let's grow a high view of God. Now, God's holiness might be overwhelming, but when we are children of God, it's a thought that brings peace and a sense that we have overcome the world. And today we're in Psalm 82, which helps us to remind ourselves that we can cry out to our holy God for his perfect justice. This Psalm, when it refers to gods, these little G gods, it can be confusing, but it seems to be speaking of human rulers who hold some type of authority. In verse two, the psalmist asks, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? There's a frustration with these human leaders and there's a pleading with God to judge them for this. And then starting in verse five, there's this further description of these rulers. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. It kind of sounds like today. I mean, verse six may even imply that these are Israelite leaders when the psalmist writes sons of the most high. Now the psalm ends with a prayer to God for him to judge these unjust rulers and raise up new ones. Now this psalm is pretty amazing to read in light of where we sit today. We know that no leader can ultimately lead perfectly except for Christ. Uh, and the psalmist cries out for God to judge bad leaders and raise up better ones. And we ultimately can praise God for giving us Jesus Christ, who will one day rule forever and rule perfectly. And it's a great reminder that he is the only one that can rule perfectly. And perhaps that's something that encourages us today. In my lifetime, I've never seen such bad leadership on display in this country. I mean, we might cry out for our God to judge them and to replace them, but may we never forget who our King is, who our King ultimately is, our sovereign King, the Lord of hosts. 
I hope that gives you comfort today as you think about our current situation culturally. We have a king and his way is the best and he is sovereign. And one day we will, he will reign perfectly forever and we will be with him in glory forever. Let's rejoice and let's walk worthy of that calling of being his children today. And let's look forward to the promise that we will be with him forever. And as we look forward to that promise, we can also stay focused on our mission here on earth, either until Christ returns or takes us home. In our New Testament reading, we're in Galatians 6, 1 through 10. And this passage brings much encouragement as we see the mission through while we wait for Christ. Now in verse 1, when Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The term, you who are spiritual, this is referring to more mature Christians. We need to grow in our understanding of biblical wisdom. So we can destroy everyone in biblical trivia? So we can destroy everyone and make them look stupid? No. So we can, as it says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I really believe this is the crux of perhaps this entire book of Galatians. Paul has been helping the Galatians see that they don't have to keep the law completely now that they are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Christ has fulfilled the law, but here is a reminder to them that there are still moral commitments as a result of being a Christian and bearing one another's burdens is possibly the very, the very best way to imitate Christ and fulfill the command of loving your neighbor as yourself. And then let's focus on verses nine and 10. Nine says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The work of ministry, no matter how you serve, always has this rhythm of reaping and sowing. And when you've been sowing and you're waiting for the reaping, it can be discouraging if you don't keep your focus on Christ and his promises. So let's be encouraged today that God keeps his promises always. And we can take this encouragement from the Galatians and from this letter. Maybe you're parenting, and it's been a rough season of sowing into your children, disciplining and instructing them in the Lord. Don't grow weary. In due season, you will reap if you do not give up. Maybe you're discipling someone and they're not as committed as you are. Don't grow weary. In due season, you will reap if you do not give up. Maybe you're serving in a ministry and you just can't see the fruit yet, even though you've been working so hard for so long. Don't grow weary. In due season, you will reap if you do not give up. And maybe you've been working to restore your marriage, doing the work that the Bible and wise counselors are calling you to, but you don't see the finished work of reconciliation yet. Don't grow weary. In due season, you will reap if you do not give up. So who does Jesus think he is? I think we've answered that question. There's no doubt about it. Jesus doesn't just think he's the long way to Messiah, the son of God, son of man, the savior of the world, but he knows it. And he says as much, but more importantly, as you go about your day-to-day, who do you think Jesus is? And who do you think you are? The answer to both of those questions should lead us all to repent of our sins and put our trust, our complete trust in Jesus Christ. And if we have done that, and we are a new creation, having gone from death to life spiritually, let's walk worthy of the calling. Let's grow our view of God to see him higher and higher every day. Let's walk in confidence, joy, hope, and love as we live out the mission of making disciples as children of God. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. I'll be filling in for Ben Blakey until he's back on Thursday, July 15th. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.